So you worked with hundreds and, you know, essentially thousands of startups over the years, in addition to your own five. What is the biggest mistake that you see startups making today? Some of the startups, the biggest mistake they make is to stick with the same idea that isn't working too long because they are afraid to fail. They don't, you know, they associate the idea with themselves. But I, you know, I tell startups, the idea might be suck. It might be, you might've thought it was good. <laughs> it might not work. Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair. What got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast, and I'm excited to welcome today Captain Hoff to the show. Welcome. Great to be here. Unless you think that he is a space pilot or an airline or a ship captain, he is not. Steve Hoffman is the CEO of Founder of Space, one of the world's leading startup accelerators with over 50 partners in 22 countries. Founder Space was ranked the number one incubator for overseas startups by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. Hoffman is also a venture investor, founder of three venture-backed and two bootstrap startups, author of several award-winning books, including Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Forces. And my first question for you, Captain Hoff, is why is that your nickname? Why is that my nickname? Why is well, it your preferred name, actually? That's yes. your nickname. That's your, that's your name. That is your preferred um, moniker. Two reasons. So one, it started out as my gamer handle. And then okay. my, friends, my friends started using it to call me Captain Hoff. And then it transitioned into my nickname. And now it is my personal brand. So it's, it, you know, something fun. People remember it. I love it. And does it represent anything specific or was just like, yes, I'm like the captain of the team, the startup team. So helping, you know, entrepreneurs all over the world. I love it. All right. So tell me a little bit about, it sounds like you've been in the startup space for a long time. And before we hopped on, I mentioned the difference between startups and starting it up, right? Uh, To me, a startup, like I said, is a let me show you that it looks like I can make money, hand me a bunch of money, and let's see if I can give it a go. And that's a startup. And starting it up is every dollar out of your pocket to build is a dollar lost. Every dollar in is a dollar you own. And so you want minimum out and maximum in. Um, and you said you're familiar with both spaces. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. I am. I've done both spaces. So I've done two bootstrap companies, which were starting it up. Every penny went into my pocket. Every penny came out of my pocket. Uh, you know, ran those very efficiently. Made- what were they? What did they do? So my first company was a game company. So okay. literally my wife and I began, you know, just did it all, like did it all. She did the graphics. I did the coding. I did the design. We put the games in there. We put them out, got our first orders over the internet from a guy called Lord Geck, who sent us $15 <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> You know, he's a a geek gamer. We invited him to dinner. We're so happy to make one sale. And it just kept going from there. And so it was very rewarding, profitable business. And then I did three venture funded startups in Silicon Valley where I got people to hand me money. And then after that, I want to know what those companies did. 
Oh, so they were all at the intersection of entertainment and technology, which okay. is kind of what I do. One was an interactive TV company, another was a game company, and another was uh, a media company. And well, I want, I need more details. It's too vague for me. Too vague. <laughs> too vague for me. I want to know what so, you did. I want to know, like, I want to know what it did. Okay. So my first company was called Spider Dance. And okay. what we did was we synchronized online entertainment to on-air broadcast. So our first show was with Viacom at MTV and Amit Zappa was the host and it was a music trivia game show. And we were the first ones to really launch this massive show that people could play along on their computers, the game show, and actually win prizes as it was happening on air. And that yeah, was a crazy, cool. crazy adventure, really stressful, <laughs> absolutely roller coaster ride. Um, and that was my first company. I love it. That, not, that wasn't the bootstrap. That was the first venture funded one. First, first venture funded. How, when was that? How long ago was it? That was during the dot-com era. Okay, so, so it was like a waste. Yeah. Or no, that would be, yeah, dot-com exploded in early 2000s. So it would be late 90s. It was late 90s. Late 90s. That makes late sense. 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Very cool. And then games and then media. What's the media yeah. company do? Okay. So, well, actually the media company came second and that was uh, basically it was called Xanal and it was a combination, it was a uh, online video in the very early days on mobile. Very cool. And why so many companies? What'd you do with them? Did you do exits and sell them? Did they get acquired? Like what? Yeah, I had all, all sorts of outcomes. Okay. <laughs> so I had every, you know, that company sold. Uh, my first company, uh, we had a, in, it's a, it's a long story, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you just a bit of it. So we had this amazing buyout offer from a public company mm -hmm. and our venture capitalists turned it down. And then wow. the dot-com bubble burst. Oh, <laughs> and, yes. And it was so painful. That's really painful. <laughs> so and we, I feel like the, the, that investor board was not your friends after that. Not from them, from you. Like, guys, it was, yeah, really? Not our friend. It was, it was a, well, everybody makes mistakes and you, you just can't see the future. So what, you know, it seemed, it was a great offer and we thought it was a great offer, but they were like, oh, we could get three times as much, you know, if we just wait, <laughs> well, six months later, you weren't getting three times as much. You weren't, you weren't getting <laughs> and, anything. And we weren't even getting any more funding from them right. <laughs> because the market was gone. So these things happen very fast and you never know. You just have to roll with the punches. Yeah. And, uh, so my first company, the, the bootstrap one, very successful. Like we, we did, like we sold over a million games and it was just like absolutely amazing. The second one was very successful until it wasn't. <laughs> we were like the market leader until the market went away. Uh, third one did well. And then the fourth one, we actually took venture money, but gave it back, which oh, was wow. a really, because we didn't like our venture capitalists. So tell me a little bit about that, because I think that, so many people have this dream of yes. you know, venture capitalism and angel investors and funders. And if I only get investment and SD, I need a pitch deck and I need a pitch proposal and I need an investor or a few investors and then life will be amazing and I can live my business dream. Everybody thinks that, yeah. you know, you imagine that a lot of people's goal coming to Silicon Valley where, you know, where I am essentially, their goal 
is to raise money, not really to build a company. It's to raise money. And I'm like, that's the wrong goal, you know, (laughs) because they think when they raise money, they've got it made. But what they don't understand is that investors invest on a portfolio strategy where they expect the majority of their portfolio not to pan out not to make, you know, to go away. And they're betting, they have what's called a fund maker. So they're just betting on, you know, one or two startups in their portfolio of investments could be 10 or 20 companies that becomes the next super unicorn, right? And pays for all the losers. That's their model. But all the losers are (laughs) startups and it's really hard. Um, So getting the money is no guarantee. It doesn't even mean you figured out your business model. So a lot of times these companies are funded, people (laughs) haven't figured them out. Right, right now it's crazy times. Like the money's flowing. It's it's really wild times. But us, when we read about a lot of these startups that are successful, but they're still a small fraction of the overall number totally. of startups. Yeah, I see. I see it all the time. So, um, and there are times when you ha- when you take on an investor, whether it's a venture capitalist or just an investor who invests in your company, an angel investor who might invest in your small business you are taking on essentially a partner. And these partners can have varying degrees of control and they can also have different agendas than you have and they can make your life miserable. And I've seen this, you know, I've coached, you know, hundreds of startups over my career and I've seen it with them and I personally experienced it with this third company. We just could not agree with the venture capitalist. And then there were threats of lawsuits and- At that point, we're like, life is too short. So, <laughs> you know, who's we, the we? Who's the we? Uh, me and my partners. Got it. <laughs> so, at a certain point, we are just like, you know, please take your money back and let's go our separate ways and no lawsuits and nothing, you know, let's, let's. And we did, then I launched Founderspace after that. And my vow with Founderspace was not to take any money. So, it's bootstrapped. I literally bootstrapped Founderspace. I was like, I don't want to go through that again. That wasn't worth it. Right. And it, I've never regretted that choice because it has been, you know, I can make whatever decisions I want. I can have whatever lifestyle I want. Yes, I don't have treasure troves filled with cash to, to disperse. But um, as far as running a business goes, um, you know, all the profits go into my pocket. When you're running a venture funded company, a lot of, I know so many people who've run venture funded companies, you get, get whatever salary you can negotiate. But at the end of the day, if you don't exit, you don't get anything. Right. You've, you've basically negotiated yourself a job. Yeah. You negotiate yourself a job until yeah. the exit. So yeah. if there's no exit, there's no payoff in your own company. Like if you're making good money and we've been making really good money, uh, you, uh, especially before the pandemic, the pandemic put a, uh, you know, a little, made it a little more difficult, but if then you can actually, it goes into your pocket. It's great. Yeah. No, I, I, you bought your freedom, you know? Yes. I figured I worked long enough. (laughs) (laughs) I worked, you know, I did that first, I did that bootstrap company. It was such a great experience. You know, we, we did so well. And then the venture, you know, some of the venture worked out, some didn't, as you heard, but that's pretty typical for venture funding. And then we're doing founder space back to bootstrapping. We, I couldn't be happier. I want to know a little bit about what does Founder Space do? Like, what's the goal with it? What is it? The same I want to know about. I like to know what businesses do. What do you do? So, basically, what we do is we help entrepreneurs. So, my job is really fun. I get to work with great entrepreneurs, help them with their business, help them solve their business problems, 
help them personally because a lot of them, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster ride. Uh, yeah. Some of them are very stressed out. And um, occasionally, you know, we invest in these startups. So if we like the startup, I will put my own money where my mouth is and actually invest in it. And we, uh, uh, some of the startups that want to raise money, we introduce to investors. Others, you know, we'll give honest advice. I'll say, you should just bootstrap this business. Like this is right. way better. And other businesses, you, can, uh, you shouldn't bootstrap because honestly, there are different types of businesses and some you'll just get wiped out by bigger players if yeah. you don't capital. Yeah, you can't, you can't yeah. make a go of it. I like that. So it's advice, it's investments, it's education. Like what, what, if I was a new startup, I had a new idea for a startup. I heard about founder space. What would I do? I know this is going to sound like a commercial, but it's not. I'm genuinely curious. So if uh, you, a couple of things, one, you could go to our website, founderspace.com, tons of free material there for entrepreneurs. So I'm big into education. I love, you know, I should have been a professor maybe because my father was a professor and I love teaching. I love uh, working with entrepreneurs. So uh, you can go there, get stuff. We pre-COVID, we had events all the time. You'd come to our space. You could go to different events. Uh, some of the uh, entrepreneurs will apply to our accelerator program. And our accelerator program is where we invest a lot of time in them and resources. And they work with us for an extended period of time. It can be anywhere from a short one of two weeks to months long, you know, many months. And we will advise them. We'll train them. Uh, we will uh, really go deep on their business models, try to figure out where the opportunity is, where they should be going, whether they're on the right track or not. It's really important for entrepreneurs to get third-party advice because a lot of times, you know, you're an entrepreneur, even if you're experienced in business, a lot of times you can't, it's, you're too myopic. It's too close to you. You can't see what's going on. So having other people, and it's not just us, we have over 300 mentors that we bring in that work with different, you know, in different areas, marketing, legal, you know, everything from HR and accounting, whatever they need. And so that's what we do. And then we uh, make a lot of introductions because there are a lot of introductions to business contacts they need. There's a lot of introductions to overseas. Some of our startups come from overseas to America. So they're landing here and they, you know, they need a launch pad. And that's how we got expanded. Basically, we had so many people. We've been around for over a decade now doing this. Wow. We had so many people coming to San Francisco because we were kind of the epicenter of Silicon Valley innovation. Yeah. And they started to invite uh, us all over the world to go collaborate with entrepreneurs. So we're like, what better job than this? You know, you know, and they would fly us to South Korea. They fly us to Europe. They fly us to China or Australia. And we'd go there. We'd work with the local entrepreneurs, train them. And, and it was prior to the pandemic. It was just amazing. It, it was uh, so much fun. I can't, and you know, because, now and, and then the pandemic hit and we yeah. literally, we got slammed hard. So all the overseas, which was turned out to be, a, you know, a huge portion of our revenue because we were making, you know, seven yeah. figures from overseas, yeah. um, that, that all of a sudden just cut off. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, it's gone. Hey, but why? Because you weren't able to even do remote work. You couldn't travel. We could do remote work. So we did. But it's, they don't pay for remote work like they pay in person. person. And that's just the way it is, right? So you get a fraction of what you would get if you're doing the, the in-person ones. And it's not as much fun. 
so you can't fly over to South Korea yeah. or something and sample the food and meet the people and, you know, really totally. connect. And I love so, to travel. Yeah, me too. So, um, it, so we couldn't do that. And then we had to shut down our San Francisco incubator because of the pandemic. So it was, it's, it's, it's been, uh, we've been fine. I mean, because we are bootstrapped, like if we were venture funded, we might've had a huge burn rate, but because we're bootstrapped, We've been very careful. With I want to define that for people, yeah. right? Because I understand what you're saying, but I always like to make sure that whoever's listening understands, right? So I'll tell you what I understand from that. I understand from that since you're bootstrapped, you're not heavily investing in huge amounts of advertising and marketing and investing in big things. If you had a mass cash flow behind you, you might have been trying to do that with mass marketing exposure and your burn rate would have been much bigger because you had much more money to push through. So because everything comes out of our pocket, right? Yeah. So we are very uh, careful about the decisions we make. Yeah. So for example, in San Francisco, super expensive, right? We, if we had raised venture capital, which I could have, I know all the investors, mm -hmm. we would have gotten a deluxe space and yeah. we would have signed a you know, three to seven year lease and all this stuff. We're like, it's my money. I don't want to be in the hook for a three to seven year lease at a huge premium. Yeah. So I went and partnered with somebody who had a space and they were like, they had this huge co-working space and the entire basement was empty. It was literally sitting empty. And I was like, let's do a deal. Like, let yeah. us move it. So when the pandemic hit, it was like, it wasn't our space. Like we were just uh, sharing with them right. our revenue. It was like a revenue share. And this is what I tell a lot of entrepreneurs who are bootstrapping to do, do revenue shares. Like, yeah. you know, that way, like if, the, Let's define the, rev share for people. Again, some of these terms are familiar and some of them aren't. Okay. So, so basically rev share was like, we'll give you a share of what we bring in, like in terms of revenue. So you, and you divvy it up, how, whatever makes sense. It yeah. can be any number. And then we also did an equity share because we'd get equity in some of these startups. So they would do an equity share. And th this type of deal, we not only did in San Francisco, but we did globally. So we did all around the world. We literally had founders. We have still running strong are five of our startup incubators in China and five major, major cities, all that. run by local partners, all branded with our brand. So we were basically able to scale internationally without huge amounts of capital, like just on our own money by being clever about how we structured our deals. Yeah. So we'd say, yeah, this is my kind of business, right? Yes. <laughs> like this, is, this is my kind of business. And I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on, you know, all the people who bet investors, but like, to me, this is real business. And that's not like, this is real business. This is ingenuity. This is resourcefulness. This is what lasts when the winds of change hit you. And the other things are bubbles. And when the bubbles pop, pop. I, I was in there. I was in the dot-com bubble. Yeah. I know we were on top of the world and then the world was not there. So <laughs> it, it popped. And, and we, we were on top of the world and then the world was gone. And we were yes, on top of our world was gone. <laughs> and so where did we go? Nowhere but down. Nowhere. I love it. Um, no, but really in this like case, that. we're sort of, uh, we're sort of indestructible. So we're indestructible entrepreneurs right now because we literally our, our, we manage our money very carefully and we partner with everybody. So if we do well, all our partners do well. If we don't do well, well, no money out of our pocket, but none of our partners do well. And right. then we uh, can shift course. And we're always, you know, you have to be flexible as an entrepreneur. So like you said, we moved all our stuff online. We're still doing fine. You know, online is really low cost and we, we're making money, but it's not like 
when we did the offline stuff, which yeah. was really our bread and butter. But we'll uh, hopefully now that things are opening up, we'll get back to that. Hopefully, well, one of these days. I know it seems to. It seems like every time I think it's opening up, it, it's it, another country shuts down. Yeah, every time I, like, I have also a lot of business contacts, colleagues, friends across the world. Yeah, it's like I think people in South Africa and Australia, and they're like, "No, we're closed again." No, nope, yeah, and they're again. like, "Europe is," you know, I just Europe's read yesterday. On, yeah, the pandemic's going crazy in Europe. What didn't they get vaccinated? What's going on? <laughs> Couldn't help. New variant, new vaccinations, yes. more lockdowns. No one's allowed to leave their house. No one's allowed to go shopping except for once a day. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. LA just did a whole, like, I don't know if it's all of California or LA. I think it's Los Angeles. So yeah, no, the whole, and I'm waiting, I was waiting for it. You yeah. know, cause I know everything was like starting in air, like Eurasia, Europe and Asia and like the yeah. here. So as soon as my people out there tell me that they're on lockdown, I'm like, all right, it's just a matter of months. It's just a matter of months. <laughs> So right after right. I got my vaccination, I actually literally drove across the whole country, spent four and a half months working <laughs> from Airbnbs because I had to get out. I hear that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours? What's yours?